Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And this year, I'm thankful for you, the podcast listeners. It's your Yahoo Sports Canada Daily Podcast for Tuesday, October 15th. But first, sports. Thanksgiving weekend is over. Hopefully you enjoyed the long weekend. Any excuse, in my opinion, to eat gravy is a good one. Along with all the servings of starchy food and all the family gatherings, hopefully you managed to set aside a little bit of time this weekend and take in some of the many, many big-time sporting events that were on TV throughout the three days. The Maple Leafs visited the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday night. The MLB playoffs continued to advance towards deciding who will head to the World Series. It was week six in the NFL, and the Toronto Raptors played their one and only preseason home game on Sunday. It was a very, very preseason-y preseason game. Six Raptors regulars took the night off after the short turnaround from last week's games. If you remember in Japan, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Marc Gasol, Serge Ibaka, Norm Powell, and Fred Van Vliet all had the night off. So OG Ananobi was the featured star and number one option against the Bulls. With all those inactives, it was actually a very instructive game for the Raptors going into the start of the season. All the rested players, and OG for that matter, they're all veterans that more or less know where they slot into the rotation. So... Sunday's game was a showcase to see what the competition for the bottom half of the rotation could dig up. And when it comes to analyzing the bottom half of the Raptors rotation, I don't know if anyone has done a better job in the last few years of understanding and explaining the team's role players, the two-way guys, the G-leaguers, better than Blake Murphy of the Athletic Toronto, my guest this morning. Anybody can look at the lineup and say, Pascal Siakam needs to be the man and OG needs to take a leap. But what about the 10th through 15th men? Blake, the member of Sunday's lineup that got the most attention for how they might force their way into the conversation was Chris Boucher. Where does he fit currently, and what does he have to do to establish himself as a fixture in the front court rotation? Yeah, I think the interesting thing with him is can he do something on defense other than block shots? We know he can block shots. That's all you need to do to win G League Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, <laughs> even when he was down there, that was a not a criticism, but something they were working with him with. Like, can you keep a guy from getting to his position? If you're putting the pick and roll, can you actually stay in position to block a shot? Because uh, there's a lot more going on on defense. And he has some highlight reel blocks, and he does well to like come down with the ball and push off those blocks. But you, there's more to defense than that, especially because... Um, you know, his path to playing time is probably more at power forward than center because Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka are there. Uh, at center, you worry about maybe his strength and his rebounding. At power forward, you worry about, well, he can probably defend a guy one-on-one -on, -one on the perimeter, but can he switch around the perimeter? Can he still be an impact defender when he's not kind of hanging around the rim? Um, offensively, 
you know, I think he shows what he shows. He's a guy who's going to shoot a lot. You're not going to have to convince him to take open threes. Um, he's a better finisher than you might think rolling to the rim or in transition, uh, given his size. And because he's a big man who runs the floor so well, he'll get some free throws. Uh, but the biggest thing is going to be defensive consistency. Can he be strong enough if he's playing the five? Can he be effective enough within the the team concepts uh, to be a plus defender if he's at the four? Somebody else who's got a lot of uh, buzz so, so so far through training camp and preseason and turned a lot of heads and has gotten that Fred Van Vliet tag is Terrence Davis, undrafted guy, really fighting for a spot. We, we see the strengths, uh, his ability to, to get to the rim. And where do you think he's lacking right now in terms of his development and what he needs to work on to make that jump as well? Yeah, the, the, the tough thing to peg down about where he's at developmentally is that the Raptors have basically, this is a guy who was a power forward in high school, a 3-2 kind of guy in college, and now the Raptors are thinking, well, maybe you're a combo guard. We don't have a lot of point guards on the roster. Maybe you could play some third-string point guard for us. So that's been the focus of his training camp. I think you see, you know, it's pretty apparent when he's in that role that he's not a natural point guard. Uh, he's a little right-hand dominant. Uh, he makes... He makes fun plays to try to keep things alive, uh, but usually it's because he's made one read and made a decision, and then he's committed to that. So in the preseason game Sunday night, there were twice he he got, you know, he kind of saw the double coming in the pick and roll and tried to split it because he'd already made his mind up. Uh, but then he's a little out of control. He's had a lot of turnovers through the first couple games, but I think he also shows enough, you know, as a point guard. I mean, he's making some reads that you'd want a guy to read uh, to make. I thought he improved as the game went along Sunday, kind of basically starting as a point guard for the first time in his career. Uh, and then he does enough, you know, if you project him to, say, be the backup shooting guard instead, well, suddenly he's a guy who can uh, attack a scramble defense, keep the ball moving as a secondary playmaker. Uh, he's a decent, if inconsistent, defender. So, um, you know, he's a guy that when they signed him, I liked him coming into the draft. I thought, okay, this is a guy who is going to get some 905 time, and maybe by the back half of the year, he's a player. Uh, the fact that he's already in consideration for getting minutes out of the gate is uh, it's very encouraging about his progress so far. Somebody else that we've heard a lot about from Nick Nurse, another guard, Pat McCaw, Ugh. the championship pedigree. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's. We all know what the deficiencies are. He doesn't seem willing to want to shoot a lot. Where do you make out on his? projection going forward for for this year yeah the team likes him a lot more than I understand like that I understand liking McCaw and thinking he could be a guy but the two years eight million guaranteed they committed to him seemed a, a little strange Nick Nurse talking him up as a potential starter and one of the eight guys guaranteed a rotation spot seemed kind of strange I just don't see it with him. He's he's an active defender, and he's fast and gets his hands on balls, but he also loses his man fairly often. And then offensively, he's basically just speed, and that's not as effective if teams know you're not going to shoot and they could just back up off of you. So the way camp has gone so far... I actually think that, you know, a Terrence Davis has been more impressive. Even a Matt Thomas, Matt Thomas has his defensive limitations, but what he's brought offensively has been more impressive. So, um, you know, I don't know if the financial commitment keeps McCaw in a rotation spot, but I don't think on merit he's got one right now. And there's two guys that were brought in to fill a similar role right after the Kawhi news broke. They, they went out and they picked up Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Stanley Johnson. Those are two guys sort of filling a, a similar spot, battling for similar minutes. How do you see that? who has the edge there and, and how that projects. Yeah, I love those moves. I, I had my top free agent targets post-Kawhi list. I was like, oh, they should sign Rondé or Stanley Johnson as like a redraft candidate. And the Raptors were like, hold up, we'll just get both of them and let them <laughs> battle it out. Um, 
so Rondé has outperformed Stanley Johnson so far. Uh, Stanley Johnson has not played well in the three preseason games or in the open scrimmage that we saw in Quebec. Uh, seems to be pressing a little bit with his own offense. He's been pretty turnover prone and hasn't finished super well. Um, he's a guy who can defend, and, and he's obviously a very strong player and can get his own bucket a little bit. But if you're not a shooter and you're committing turnovers... It's hard to play a role player role. Rondé fits a little more. He's quirky and it doesn't, Rondé is a weird one because it doesn't always look like he's good, but he does good things. He'll be, you know, he's a smart cutter. He can play a little bit of center within the offense if you want to have a Baca or Gasol outside shooting uh, because he's a good screen setter and he's a decent offensive rebounder. And then, you know, he's pretty versatile defensively. You can plug him in in a lot of lineups. So I'd say if the season were to start today, Rondé is probably the first forward off the bench. And then Stanley Johnson is not even guaranteed rotation minutes. I think he's in a battle there with maybe with Boucher uh, if there are enough minutes for a fourth forward. As we make our way down to the bottom to that two-way player G League fringe, is there anybody else that has either caught your eye in a positive or negative way that you think is discussable? Yeah, I think the the person who has changed their outlook the most since Summer League is O'Shea Brissett. Um, he's almost, I would be shocked if he doesn't win one of the two-way roster spots. Um, his time with Nick Nurse with Team Canada got very positive reviews, and I think he he won Nurse over as a fan um, from everything that I've gathered talking to people within the organization. He had a great offseason, and he's looked really good defensively in the appearances he's gotten. Shot hasn't dropped. Um, you know, he's mostly just a play finisher at this point on offense other than the transition game but defensively he gets his hands on a lot of balls he's very active he's a really good rebounder for a forward so uh he's a guy that you know if you're building out that 905 roster you're gonna have to Juan Hernandez down there a little bit you might get some Terrence Davis or Matt Thomas and, and O'Shea Brissett's a guy that he's gonna be a big piece of that 905 team and, and if the Raptors need forward depth at any point you get the 45 NBA days from him um <laughs> you know I, I I guess there's a small chance he would like make the roster but I don't He's, he's probably going to lock down one of those two ways. The Raptors have one more preseason game on Friday in Brooklyn before opening up the regular season at home against the Pelicans one week from tonight. One week. We are one week away from Toronto Raptors regular season basketball and all that comes along with that. A banner raising and a ring ceremony. What a time to be alive. As I mentioned previously, the Maple Leafs got back to business on Saturday night. They overpowered the Red Wings for a 5-2 win. The Buds play game one of a back-to-back tonight at home against the Minnesota Wild before heading to face the Washington Capitals on Wednesday. There was a bit of a dramatic roster move made by the Leafs as well this weekend. I mean, in the way that every move the Maple Leafs make is a dramatic one, which it is. Rookie defenseman Rasmus Sandin was assigned to the AHL Marlies. Sandin had played fairly well. His possession, scoring chance, expected goal numbers, all of them were positive. And he generally looked he looked calm. He looked cool with the puck. He didn't look bothered or out of place. But the reality is he just wasn't playing enough. The Maple Leafs' top four defensive guys, Riley, CeCe, Muzzin, Barry, they all play more than 22 minutes a night, leaving Sandin with a boat. 12 minutes of scraps so far per game throughout the year. He wasn't on the power play. He was barely using the PK. So after six games, the Maple Leafs decided he's better served being the man on the Toronto Marlies. He also took a shot, by the way, in the head from Justin Abdicator by a shot I mean like a hit. 
uh, in Saturday's game against Detroit, something coach Mike Babcock didn't appreciate, and he asked himself, what am I doing letting this kid take these bumps at this level? 27-year-old Kevin Gravel was called up in exchange for Sandine, and Travis Dermott was a participant in Sunday's practice without the designated injury jersey, suggesting he may be getting closer to making his season debut. And finally, in the MLB playoffs, the Yankees and Astros series is tied up one game apiece. Game three of that goes this afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern time. In the NL, the Washington Nationals, yes, the Washington Nationals are on the verge of a sweep of the St. Louis Cardinals. They can punch their ticket to the World Series tonight at home. First pitch of game four is scheduled for 8.05 Eastern time in Washington. Steven Strasburg threw a gem last night, a blowout win for the Nats, who are one game away from their very first World Series berth. There was a lot to catch up on from a very long weekend. I felt like I was gone forever, really. But you're all ready for the week now. You're all caught up. And look, it's already Tuesday. That's all for this morning's show. Get out there and enjoy your day.